Seal's most successful song hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100 in 1995 and won him Record of the Year, Song of the Year, and Best Male Pop Vocal Performance at the 1996 Grammy Awards. It is hard to imagine a world without this critical piece of 90s pop culture, and yet took several strokes of good luck for the song to even be heard, let alone reach the level of success it had. Seal wrote the song in 1987, recorded it on a four-track tape machine, and was almost immediately embarrassed by the results. He played the demo for a friend, but banished the tape to a forgotten corner of his studio apartment afterwards. Seal had no intention of letting his producer, Trevor Horn, hear the demo, but Seal's friend had told Horn about the track, and the producer began pestering Seal about the discarded track until the singer finally caved. The track hit airwaves in 1994, briefly touched the number 20 spot on the UK singles chart, made an appearance in the critically panned film The Neverending Story Part 3, and swiftly disappeared from everyone's mind. Everyone except for director Joel Schumacher, who was looking for a track to score the love scene in his then-upcoming film, Batman Forever. The movie was a commercial success, and it brought Seal's single back into the limelight forever. Though the song reached the heights of success, it never clicked for Seal until the awards came in. Quote, to be honest, I was never really that proud of it, though I like what Trevor did with the recording. He turned that tape from my corner into another 8 million record sales and my name became a household name. I realized it just wasn't a song from a tape in the corner when I was picking up Grammys for it. Of course, I love it now and I'm just so appreciative of the fact that I have a song like that, that most people love. Seal may have softened his stance on the once discarded track, but he remains unmovable when it comes to revealing the meaning of the lyrics. I've avoided explaining these lyrics for over 25 years. I'm not going to start doing it now, said Seal. The only clue that the British singer has provided is that it was, quote, some kind of relationship that inspired the lyrics, end quote. If you've ever wondered what it means to be compared to a kiss from a rose on the gray, then boy, have we got an episode for you. That's right. We're kicking off Lover Me with the legendary Seal song, Kiss from a Rose. <laughs> That's right, it's Lover Me, the only podcast that compares famous love songs to their many cover versions to find out which one is the high and not the pill. I'm your host as always, The Snake, joined by my large-eyed co-host, Alex Mildenberger. Alex Mildenberger. How you doing, man? Uh, lovely. <laughs> I probably made that joke last year. Um, probably. So we are like repeating everything all the time, always. Yeah, I only have like five or six jokes and now they're mostly stolen well if you just keep stealing you can kind of update the repertoire lately That's i've been true. working did i do that and because nobody remembers that show it's it's true i mean there's a handful of people who'd be like ah, i get it and then it's just a reference to them right so like it doesn't matter That's you can exactly do anything right. you want yeah i want to go back to high school comedy where you could just be funny by quoting like austin powers <laughs> yeah, you just and have to go around saying, "Yeah, baby," and that's like, <laughs> and people are like this dude's fucking funny. Oh, <laughs> uh, I that I mean, I was thinking about that. That is mostly what we did. We mostly just quoted the same things day after day. Yeah, just exchanged quotes to um, each other, just over and over. Like, uh, we just like recited Rock Lobster to each other, um, yeah. or whatever, like. Or like power thirst videos would probably be a big one. Yes, we used to juice Springsteen a lot. Juice Springsteen. Um, yeah, 
He's simpler times. Simpler times. Simpler now times. It's, now it's and university and we're not the starting quarterback anymore, you know? <laughs> yeah. I don't want to get you. too nostalgic for the past. Um, <laughs> but you were a legendary quarterback. I was a legendary <laughs> quarterback, so. It's not mince words here. <laughs> Wasn't for that ACL you tore, you'd be in the NFL right now. Yeah, if only I could still walk. If only. Um, but I tell you what, we can take a walk down memory lane because this is a song just slightly younger than you and I. Yeah. And this is uh to me, Alex, I usually ask you first about your memories of this song. This song sounds and smells like the back seat of an old station wagon to me, because like that's when I remember hearing this song was in the car. As a, as a as a very young kid, because it was everywhere. It was everywhere. No, yeah, I don't remember it being everywhere. I'll be honest with you, but it seems like the kind of thing that was everywhere. Yeah, well, it would just come on the radio. It was on like the pop station, so you get like yeah. Britney Spears, fucking Backstreet Boys, and then this track would come in, and. To to young baby me's ears, it was like one. I didn't know any. I didn't know any of the fucking words. I didn't know about the song's name until I was like a man. I was like, oh, there was like, what the fuck is "Kiss from a Rose"? I was like, oh yeah, this song. But yeah, in a in a time of a lot of pop music on the radio, this one this one cut through the mix with some some weird lines and some heavy acapella i guess yeah <laughs> defining features and some other weird stuff that i had not picked up on until like this week yeah this song is bizarre um included in two films you ever see that a never-ending story three no i definitely seen the never-ending story and maybe the second one but i don't think i've seen the third one yeah, if i have i don't a, remember a, it a piece of shit. They're like, uh, never ending story lives up to its name and we hate it or something like that. It never ends. <laughs> Big ah, review. Burn. Burn. Ha. Ha. Got him. Yeah, but this this song somehow survived that and got to be on the Batman Forever soundtrack, along with the the U2 song Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me. And that wasn't good enough for the love scene? I mean, it was a U2 song, so... I don't know Barely good enough to make the soundtrack. Got him. Um, Did you hear that Bono's apparently embarrassed by his U2 songs? Like, all of them? I guess all of them. I didn't read the whole thing. It's like, Bono, embarrassed by U2. Oh. I mean... Even, like, Seal was embarrassed by this song before before it made him, like, millions of dollars. Yeah, I like that that was his big turning point. He's like, well... Made me a lot of money. money. I've seen him say, like, I like it more now. Of course, who knows? Right. Uh, But he still performs it and everything. It's not like. uh, Oh, yeah. That's like his number one banger. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what the song was. I I don't remember. It might have been like. I don't know. I see. It's like a live performance. And then it's like the singers like, I fucking hate this song. And then they perform it. Hmm. Some rock and roll band. I don't remember the song. I don't remember the band now. Oh, just a, um, just a clip. It's a clip. It's a clip. It's a Karma Chameleon by Boy George. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, for all we know and care. Yeah, actually, this song you you knew about it. You thought about it. Yeah. Has it been a big? There's not. There's not much else to say anyway. for me. I, I haven't even seen the movie. You haven't even seen the movie Batman Forever. No. What about the movie Blowout? 
Oh, the movie Blowout. No, but I did see I did see that there's a reference in the music video. Blow Up, rather, is the name of the film. But I wouldn't bad. have gotten that. Yeah, there's no way I was going to piece that together. What about the film The Never End? And we already covered The Never End Story 3. So really, just like no connections to this. this no. Song. No, not really. I mean, other than that, I knew it, you know. As, what about as the scene in, I think, the third season of Community where uh, Jim Rash and the, what's his name, Joel? Joel, um, yeah. What the fuck is his name? Oh, my God. Joel Soup. I'm gonna put in Joel Soup. McHale. Joel McHale. <laughs> that's right. sing yeah. it in, in a karaoke. That I did. Yeah, that that's that's a fun scene. I remember what, that. Did you, did you see it? Did you see that scene and go? I, I don't know that. Or you? Just I knew like, the song. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a scene in in Parks and Recreation where they sing "Time After Time." Also a good scene, you know, where there's hey, just people singing. Also a good song. People singing a pop we song. We love good people singing. People, people sing a song time. We love to hear things that we recognize. Yeah. Baby, do I recognize this? But, I mean, rather than harp on how much we know a popular song, let's talk about how much we don't know these lyrics. Yes. Which, which well, begin a none. Don't know. I mean, like you were saying earlier, uh, famously, Seal um, doesn't explain these lyrics to people, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And I was even, there's a. It's a it's a Rick Beato video on on YouTube. He did about this song, and he actually called Seal because I guess he knows him um, to talk about it. And Seal was saying, "Yeah, if someone says like what, asks what the song is about, I say, what do you think the song is about?' Kind of thing. Like he specifically avoids talking about what this song is." Yeah, there's a quote from him I've got here where he says, I think it's the general vibe of what I'm saying that is important, not the exact literal translation. Song is always larger in the listener's mind because with it they attach imagery which is relative to their own personal experience. So it is your perception of what I'm saying rather than what I actually say that is the key. And I think that's that's the big thing about this song. That's that's what makes it that's what makes it work. Because I mean, we know the story. You already said he was kind of a not a fan of the song originally. Mm-hmm. And I have to wonder if it was just like, because it was from like a maybe poetic standpoint, kind of half-baked to him because it's mm. so vague. That's just a guess on my part. Yeah. Or it has me thinking of that scene in Clone High when they do the uh, the film festival. <laughs> right. And then Jones submits that like loony art house film whisper, that's like, very confusing. Hush, hush. To- Anyone except uh is it like Van Gogh? <laughs> like, yeah, something like that. One of the like, like artist guys like crying. <laughs> oh no, he's not crying, he's laughing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like you are in love with Abe. <laughs> oh, it's, <laughs> is it, it's Sigmund Freud, I think. It. Sigmund Freud. Yeah, 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 that might be it. Yeah. <laughs> so I wonder if it's like that where he looks at this, what is like objective like I would argue, and given his his uh explanation of it being like it's what you get from it, that's a very like art house film interpretation. Yeah. It's like Everything's kind of left loosely, so I wonder for him, he laid it all down, and for him, it's so crystal clear. It's like, oh, it's about yeah, that fucking graying tower. Oh, shit. Like, this is so plain. Whereas everybody else is like, hmm, like a kiss from the rose on the gray? What, is it, what does that mean? So it's just like two, two different experiences we're having, us and Seal. Yeah. And also, like, it's another case, like, if you kind of have enough imagery 
in in your song you can it can mean a lot of things you know like he's talking about being alone he's talking about like the color gray a lot and roses mm-hmm. and love and like darkness and eyes and shining things and like obscuring things and it's like yeah yeah there's there's a lot of ways you can probably go with that um yeah, lot, especially when you're talking about like relationships because mm-hmm. it's a love song it's love song from batman don't you know from batman and from the never-ending story three yeah Famous love. It's from Batman Forever. I want to be clear on that, Alex. It's not actually in the original Batman. That's, that's true. It's not from Batman. <laughs> Nor is it in Batman Returns. Um, <sighs> so let's open up. Let's, because yeah. again, he talks about how it's all interpretive. So, and right off the bat, you get that with ba ya ya ba da 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 da. That can mean anything. That can mean fucking anything. <laughs> I think he's talking about really his means. mother there. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. And how she didn't no, love him but, enough. Uh, that's probably I don't know I don't want to dig into Seal's personal <laughs> life. <laughs> it's a bold claim to make, Alex. I can't back you on this one. What it really means is that acapella groups are going to eat this fucking song up. Is what that hook means. Yeah. Um. But verse one starts. There used to be a graying tower alone on the sea. You became the light on the dark side of me. Loved remained a drug. That's the high, and not the pill. Right. That's the other. The other part of this is there's a few references to like. Love as addiction, which is a uh, a metaphor we've come across before, and one of the metaphors in yes. this song, as well as the the light in the gray. Yes, yes. Um. So the tower is graying. Is that because he's aging? He was pretty young at the time. I mean, but we are all getting older. We've talked about, uh, and I am thinking, thinking about Simon and Garfunkel a lot with this line. Because it also reminds me of, you know, I'm a rock, I'm an island. But also, what's the other one where he kind of like talks? Yes. Where he's like, oh, my life's fucking behind me. And he's like 25 or something. Yeah, like everything's over. Yeah, I I never got that. But uh, I think it makes sense. I I mean, I was thinking of it in terms of like light. uh, But I guess that also implies time, passage of time. You know, like the tower's graying because the sun's going down. Which could mean time mm. passing, or like the sun means the light is leaving his life, or whatever, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, there is a real play of light and darkness here, and what does that mean? And I can't help, and I also because I the the original music video he makes for this references the film Blow Up. Which did you read the plot description for that? It's about a, a snuff film or something like that. No, so it's about a guy who like is he's a fashion photographer and he's taking photos of like women and stuff and then in one of his photos he thinks he sees a murder take oh, place okay. and then he goes back to this location he thinks he finds the body and it's all about like your belief and like what is reality and what isn't and I guess the film ends with him like seeing two mimes playing tennis and their 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 mime ball rolls towards him and he like picks it up and throws it back to them. But it's not a real ball. Yeah, or is it because oh, okay. how, how strong is belief and how much can, you know, it's, it's again, the question is what is real and what is imagined and is there a line between those? Okay. And I can't help but think that plays into this as well when we, we bring in the realm of drugs and also what is love and how can it be seen sometimes but not other times and, you know, he asks, I mean, people kind of know the lyrics where he asks, he asks the person he's in love with if it is his obsession with them is healthy, which is not a good question to ask somebody. It is a, strange, it is a weird question. And that does yeah, seem to so be part of it is obsession. Of course, the healthy part is later on. 
Yes. Um, but he finds himself basically in this love in a strange place where he's not too sure of what is up and is down eventually is, I think, sort of the ultimate point. But starting out here, we get an idea of that in, in all of these dualities he's playing with the light, whether that's in the graying tower, this person becoming the light on the dark side of him, which uh, and then, you know, lover made a drug that's the high and not the pill, which is also like, a, like can you have one without the other? Oh. Who knows? So, you, yeah, like we kind of, you kind of laid out, there's a lot of dualities in place here, and then it kind of raises the question of, like, can contradictions exist, or am I out of my mind? Like, when is, when, <laughs> there's a lot of just, like, confusion in this song, is I guess. It's a lot of uncertainty. Yeah, it's a lot of questions. Or at least, mm-hmm. yeah, it's quite a few questions. At least it raises a lot of questions. Yeah. Because he, sa- he says quite certainly that these things were a fact. There used to be a Grang Tower alone on the sea, which, I mean, it gives you the idea of, like, yeah, a lighthouse um, of solitude, and you get that image of the, the waves crashing up against the rocks, right? It's, it's withstanding the elements here. Right. And then in his darkness, he finds this light, and then what he believes here is that love became a drug that's the high so the good parts and not the pill, which is, I guess, the bad... You know, you sometimes call shitty people a pill, right? Oh, that person's a real pill. So pills kind of have negative associations. So he's saying that love remains something that is all Gucci with no bad side. Right. Does that check out? For now. Um, I think so, but again, there's... <laughs> yeah, I mean, all we know now, like, the, the Grang Tower alone, the imagery is... Like a lighthouse, basically. That's what I'm seeing. But uh, and then there's the dark side of the lighthouse. Usually, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be a lighthouse, I guess. And yeah, they're bringing light into I his feel life. Like it's a lighthouse, though. It, it feels I mean, like a lighthouse. Just call right? it a tower, but it feels like a lighthouse. Um, there's light, there's darkness, and there's more light because the other person, and also it makes him feel good. And there doesn't seem to be any yeah. downsides. And then, I, but I think with the lighthouse, it makes sense too. Because what is the dark side of the lighthouse if not where the light isn't shining, right? It would make sense. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking the lighthouse, and like sometimes they have a light on both sides and it rotates around, but often they don't. You know, like they don't have yeah, to. And even then, they're still dark because you can still quite clearly see the two beams. Right. right? Yeah. It's the dark side is now just moved. Mm-hmm. So what he's suggesting in there is this sort of impossibility that everywhere there's there's dark, the dark side of me, which is anything outside of that light has become light, because you became that. Yeah. He's suggesting light without shadow, and then I think comparing that to a a drug without a pill. A drug that is, both is and is not a drug, right? He's He's getting into this weird realm of contradictions. Right, things that shouldn't be able to exist. Mm Mm-hmm. And then things that, I, you know, again, we, we pull into this weird realm of contradictions in the pre-chorus, but did you know that when it snows, my eyes become large and the light that you shine can't be seen? Which, I mean, to me suggests now there are just times that doesn't feel good like that. Right, like in times of strife, like snow is bad. Some people think snow is cocaine use. Yeah, some what people is, think it's drugs. I don't think it would have to be. I mean, they're like, oh, it can make your pupils dilate. But like lots of things can make your pupils dilate. Like light, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, as well, though, yeah, I mean, darkness. Since they're up. Darkness. Yeah. Um, and like danger, I guess. So, I mean, yeah, it could be. Literally, just like it's dark. 
so my pupils dilate because I can't see the light shining. And snowing is just like, I don't know, like adversity or whatever, like, or or something blocking him from seeing the things around him. Like I'm thinking of a snowstorm. Yeah. And yeah, that must be because I'm thinking because usually when I'm thinking of snow on the ground, it actually like reflects light. Right. But that's not that's necessarily true. the case in a snowstorm. Yeah, it would it would make it much darker. Mm-hmm. Did you know that when it snows, my eyes become large, and the light and it's interesting because yeah, the eyes become larger to pull in light. Um, but the the light can't be seen. So yeah, you might be right in that this is simply like sometimes shit happens, and I don't feel that love. I become wide-eyed, maybe scared, also looking for light, and I can't find it. Can't see it. It's obscured by something. Mm-hmm. But it's still there. Still shining. Still there. But it can't be seen. Yeah, but it can't be seen. So kind of another contradiction, you know, light that can't be seen. Even though most of the spectrum is not visible. That's true. I saw some. I'm trying to remember. I read something. This is off topic, but I saw something. that was like mm-hmm. humans are special because we can see the whole visible spectrum. Not everyone can see. Not all species can see that. But it's like we define the visu- visible spectrum based on what we yeah. can see. What we some can see. animals can see more than us. Anyway, ridiculous thing to say. Yeah. So everybody has different visible spectrums. Yeah. It's just not the same. Anyway. Sorry. Yeah, it's not that Off some topic. animals can see invisible light. It's just like... Yeah. Like, you animals, you can't even yeah. see the whole visible spectrum. It's like, well, that's not their visible spectrum. And also, like, bees can see ultraviolet or something. So, like, whatever. They gotta. Anyway, sorry. Totally off topic. Totally Brief off topic. Um, but I think the idea of color comes into play in the chorus. So and, and not seeing color. So I think it's actually a good segue into baby. I compare you to a kiss from a rose on the gray. Ooh, the more I get of you, the stranger it feels. Yeah. And now that your rose is in bloom, a light hits the gloom on the gray. So is he kind of reversing what happened in the pre-chorus? Like first he's talking about the love and how it makes him feel. And then some mm-hmm. things happen and it obscures the love and the light. And then now it turns around again and it feels like, like a new thing again. Yeah, maybe. I, w- I wonder if there's like some element where losing the visuals he still feels like the high of the love. Okay. Because like, it does, I don't know, it doesn't sound like he's suffering in the pre-chorus, right? Okay. I don't know, though. But So he says, baby, I compare you to a kiss from a rose on the gray. So the, immediately what I pull from that, kisses are soft and delicate and, and nice. Everybody loves a kiss. Um, and it's a rose on the gray. So a rose is very vibrant, right? Mm-hmm. And the gray is one, it's his tower. Which is either A, him, or B, his penis. Could be his dick. <laughs> could be his dick. Could be his dick. You never know. And it's a, you know, it's a kiss of color on an otherwise monochrome existence, right? Right. So I think maybe on a base level, it's just like you brighten up my life. Like, it's, it's that simple, right? Yeah. It's just a contrast of something that's very bright and something that is not. Gray mm-hmm. and, and a rose. And just the gray is not a not a movie, not a movie starring Liam Neeson, but just the color gray. <laughs> no, it's got to fight wolves. It's got to fight wolves. Um, 
And yeah, he's talking. Don't get me yeah. started on that movie. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, so it, it's. I think he's really just saying it's kind of just to display the intensity of the love feeling, right? The song would be, the music backs that up. I think. Yeah, and then we come from focusing on the light to focusing on a sense of touch while also using color. But he doesn't talk about seeing the rose on the gray. It's a kiss from the rose on the gray. Right, he can't he can't see it because he can't see the light, but he can feel it. Yeah, so maybe there's some sense of like faith in it, or in the same way that you know, again, we have a bit of this addiction, this drug reference coming on. He he consumes it. He consumes the love, and so he can no longer see it, but it's it's inside of him, or you know, touching him. It's on him, and then maybe he can bring the light back. It's like it's still in the gloom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think is, is this okay? All right. So the tower is great. The tower. If the tower is his dick, then is the snow him busting? Uh oh. Uh yeah. I'm surprised that didn't come up earlier. Sometimes you gotta brainstorm this stuff out. Yeah, I mean that's all the song is about. It's like it the, could be. It could be Buster's theme. Busted makes me feel Bustin good. He says, "The more good. I get of you, the stranger it feels." Yeah. And that's kind of li- that's a lot of people talk about those drugs. The more drugs you get, the more sort of removed from your base reality you get, whether that is in a short period or a long period of time. Um, same thing with love. It's, uh, it's you know it's throwing them off off course, off kilter. Sure. Same thing that happens when you take too many cold meds. Something something you might relate to, Alex. I didn't take that many cold meds. <laughs> Not. <laughs> I just know when I do these, like, oh, it's it's like drugs. You kind of just go like, I'm like oh, yeah, 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 I guess. Totally, it's like drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, you know, I'm sure you've taken too much Which of a, of a regular medication once. Consumed. I didn't, I took too much cold medication, but I took it, it was, I took it for too long of a time. Right, it was over a long period. Over like a month, and then I like couldn't sleep for a week. Cause hey, whatever was, you got to tell yourself, Alex. putting me to sleep. <laughs> Uh, no, yeah. I'm kidding. You're, you're all good, but uh, yeah. So I think it is. It's about like a mind-altering experience that is love and also drugs. Yeah, and like that's a pretty being a lighthouse. Pretty easy step. Um, now that your rose is in bloom, a light hits the gloom on the gray. I'm imagining the rose blooming on the tower. It's bringing. It's. I mean, it's a. It's. It's the bringing. Bringing the. Bringing the color to the to the gray. Yeah, I imagine like a beam of light kind of breaking through the gray and hitting hitting the tower, and then there's like a a, a rose and it's it's blooming out there. You follow me? Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing the image. I'm seeing the image. Is that what does it mean for your rose to be in bloom? I mean, um, I don't know how important that is. Other than that, the rose being in bloom means it's like very vibrant, right? Yeah. Like, as opposed to before that, where it's, like, growing, or after that, where it's wilting. We talked about the passage of time before. Mm-hmm. Maybe that implies the cyclical nature or something, you know? Yeah, because and he's also... Grow and bloom and fade and glow and bloom and fade. Glow and bloom and fade. He kind of... He's establishing, like, that this is a weird relationship. I wonder if we're supposed to draw a, an element of, like parasitic nature from this like the rose is thriving off of him the tower 
And now that the rose is in bloom because it's been it's been feeding off of him, he the does hits the gloom. Compare it to an addiction, perhaps for that reason. Yeah, coming up. So I wonder if we're supposed to get that, or if it's just supposed to be like this big color imagery, the the shining rose in the gray. Or maybe the point is that he doesn't really know. He's just asking questions. Because, I mean, he does ask questions later on. Yeah, he's really making statements here, though. He is. Is he making statements to make us ask questions? He's, yeah, well, he's just saying things are happening, and then he asks questions about them. Yeah, because I'll tell you this. When you compare something to something, the idea is to make it easier for someone to understand. So, when he says, baby, I compare you to a kiss from a rose on the gray, that's not a scenario that people are familiar with. True. That's just a bunch of words. Oh, also, another term for gray, I don't know if it was hot in the 90s, but gray matter. Brain? The brain, baby. Rose is kissing his brain, making it act all weird. The more I get of you, the stranger it feels. Like drugs. Like drugs, Alex. Like cold meds taking over a month. Taking over a month. (laughs) (laughs) Dangerous stuff, man. Stay clean. Dangerous. Stay clean out there, folks. Um, Yeah, I think if we're going to break this down, if we're going to boil this down to base elements, again, it's the the theme of dualism. We got color hitting gray, and it makes intense things happen. That's kind of the idea here. Yeah. It's backed by the music. That's That's what I'm getting out of it. Uh, yeah, I think I think you t- said that like five minutes ago, but hey, here we are. Yeah, I don't know first how specific we can get. Okay, first two. First two, baby. There is so much a man can tell you, so much he can say. You remain my power, my pleasure, my pain, baby. To me, you're like a growing addiction that I can't deny. Won't you tell me? Is that healthy, baby? Is that healthy, baby? Is that baby? healthy, baby? Baby, is that healthy? <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. The first two, like, first line, there's so much Megan can tell you, so much she can say, <laughs> doesn't seem all that, like, significant to me, necessarily. Although, I wonder if it's one of those, like, like, a man c- can tell you anything, kind of, but, like, could be dishonest. Like, you can say, he loves you. But there's no way to know that he's telling the truth. Right. And then he goes on to say the exact sort of thing that you might say in that situation. You remain my power, my pleasure, my pleasure, my pain. I wonder if he's saying that, like, I can say so much shit. I can compare you to a kiss from a rose on the, the gray and say all of this. But the fact remains that you remain like what it, what it boils down to. The same way we boiled down the chorus, right. he's boiling down his Here's own. Is his summary here. of how he feels? Yeah. You you empower me. You you bring me pleasure, but you are also you are also pain. Such as love. Such as love. Or an addiction to medication, such as cough meds. Yeah, exactly. Alex. <laughs> um. To me, like a growing addiction that I can't deny. Um, this is pretty plain. We've heard this in other songs before. Love's an addiction, baby. Love is, ooh, it makes you feel good. You want more of it, but ooh, it hurts. Don't you know that you're toxic? Come on. We know this. Don't and you know? Like, don't you know? And then like a fool, you go and ask. Your, that's like asking your drugs. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good idea. Is it healthy? Because he's not, he's questioning it. 
Because of the, I guess, the ups and the downs, presumably. Mm-hmm. And then, like, that's, like, that's verse two. And then he says again, we get the pre-chorus, did you know, my eyes get large, and the light you shine can't be seen. Um, the next thing that comes up is the bridge. Yes. He says, I've been kissed by a rose on the gray. I, I've been kissed by a rose on the gray. I've, and if I should fall, will it all go away? I Those are the, the key fall, lines here. go away. Yes, if I should fall, will it all go away? Yeah, a kind of an addiction mindset, right? If I should fall, or like, again, like, should this relationship end, or should I quit using drugs? Will I ever feel good again? Yeah, is it possible to have this from anyone else? Like, that's what I'm, that's yeah. what I'm, that's what I'm hearing. It, it sounds like he's looking to kick, but the planet is glowing. Glowing, 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 glowing. <laughs> yeah, something, something like that. Ooh, what was that sound? If if I had to break it down. Oh, it's a horn. Yeah, it's a uh, emergencies on my street. You know how it is. I do. It's a constant emergency you here. You know how it is. Everything's an emergency. Um. Yeah, because obviously he doesn't want. You know, he he's how he likes the feeling, but he maybe has some mm-hmm. second second thoughts. Yeah. He doesn't know if it's a healthy relationship, but he's worried that uh, that ending it will make it, he mean he's never happy again. Exactly, he's because uh, he he was the tower in the gray, right? And now he's got a he's got a taste of color, and he's wondering if he can ever go back. Even though there are parts of this this relationship with with color with roses that hurt, because roses have thorns. Alex. Roses do have thorns. He doesn't mention the thorns, but roses do have thorns. They do have thorns. Tune in next week for Every Rose Has Its Thorn by Poison. <laughs> I say that jokingly, but that would have been a good pick, but we're not we doing could, it. Sorry, fans. Fans of... I mean, we could do it. <laughs> nope. It's too late nope. now. We just said we would. Too late now. We got, we got at least two weeks of content planned out, so... Sorry, folks. <sighs> yes. All right. Is that all the lyrics? That's all the lyrics. So... What we've managed to boil it down to, nothing that hasn't, I think, already been discussed in the 28 years of Kiss from a Rose discourse. No, it kind of has that feeling. It has a feeling of being, like, poetic and having metaphors. So, yeah. It's the sort of yeah, thing I people talk about. To boil it down, it's like, it's about dualism, the space between those two things, whatever those two are, light and dark, color and no color, drugs and no drugs, highs and pills, and the the overwhelming of your senses in that space, whatever that space may be or represent to you. I'm wondering that if that if that is bad, basically. Yes, questioning the uh, the value of it one way or another. Yes, questioning the value. I like that better. Yeah, that's that's the clinical takedown, baby. Yeah, we did it. I think I th- I mean it, it wasn't the prettiest dissection, but I think we got somewhere. Yeah, I mean, there are words. They mean things. For the most Let's, part. I'm going to take that sound clip and just replace the whole analysis we've done with that. Yeah. Let's talk about the lyrics. There are words. There was, they mean they, things. They mean things. Probably about love or drugs or something. Sometimes both. All right, let's move on to the instrumentation. We should talk about the instrumentation. I do we think, should. I mean, they're both interesting. But this is also very interesting. 
Pretty... Yeah, I think if you didn't have the Trevor Horn production on this to back up, and Seal's vocals, he's a killer singer. Oh, definitely. Let's get those two points out of the way. Like, that's what sells the lyrics that nobody understands. Yes, is is the, the performance. Absolutely. Yeah, the vocal layering right off the bat and the ba yeah 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 yeahs Yeah, there's a few sections that are like mostly a cappella, but this is, you know, right off the bat. So it's a lot of mm-hmm. tracks of Seal, and he does his harmonies, and he does lots of cool chords. Um, I, I mentioned earlier, I watched this, this Rick Beato video um, where he mm-hmm. breaks, breaks the song down. Um, one of the things he mentioned is that uh, it is, I mean. Pretty rad. That's pretty rad. No, we're just talking about the harmony, the the chord progression. Mm-hmm. It uses modal interchange, ooh, and all that ooh. means is that it's in G minor or whatever, and instead of using a G minor chord, it uses a G major chord. Wow. Ah. So, so what effect does that have? What effect does that have? It's a good question. I think it just... I mean, obviously, it's dependent on context, but in this context, I think it makes mm-hmm. it a little more... Like raising something a half step like that, really, you're only changing one note. Right. And uh, fuck, I tried to make something not fall and I made it fall. <laughs> um, it makes it sound like a little more positive, like at the end. Mm. The like the right. home, uh, which is often how like a, a tonic chord is described as ho- home right. in the key. Yeah, it's where things um, resolve, right? Yeah, is like a little bit more positive as opposed to the the minor version. Okay, that so makes sometimes sense. it can like evoke a little bit more hope. I, I don't know exactly how I would describe it to use here. Um, That's interesting because from what we've talked about. And I did compare it to Ashes to Ashes, which we talked about last week. Mm-hmm. Ashes to Ashes is a drug addict who knows he's a drug addict and is trying to sever the ties and live with what he's done. Whereas Kiss from a Rose is a drug addict in the throes of the drug. So kind of riding that high still a little. So where Ashes to Ashes, I probably, I'm, I'm just guessing, probably doesn't resolve on a major. Um, this one does, and that gives you that different I sense. I don't know about Ashes to Ashes. I mean, we've talked about them. You know the feel of ashes to ashes. You I know do. the feel of this. I do. Definitely got. There's much more uncertainty in that piece, whereas this one, still a little uncertainty. But yeah, you're right to note that undercurrent of like up. Yeah, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's um, not. Yeah, it's not overwhelming, but it does. It, it you know it leans up. But it's interesting uh, for a couple of reasons other than that. Um, mm-hmm. It's in three four time. Which is, I mean, most of the songs we talk about are in 4-4. Four, four. Mm-hmm. This one happens to not be. So there's three beats. Um, so that's kind of neat. And then the other thing it does is one, I think, that contributes to the feel of it quite a bit. And that is, it uses like parallel fifths or something. I don't know if it's necessarily parallel, but it uses fifth, mm-hmm. fifths. Um, which makes it sound a little bit like, like Ren Fairy. Yeah. Um, you also get a flute in this. Yeah, the flute uh, from the orchestration definitely helps with that. But mm-hmm. it's it's a, an interesting feeling that it creates. Because there's points in this song where I was like, oh, yes, this could be like a part of a Jethro Tull song. 
like a middle Jethro Tull song. Oh yeah, that um, would be sick. A Jethro Tull cover of this song? Yeah, which would be uh, interesting. But um, I guess sorry, there are some Jethro Tull songs that have a lot of like vocal tracks on them, but it has that feeling at times. Of like being mm-hmm. a, a Ren Fair thing, which is going to come up later in one of the covers. So look forward to that. Look forward to that. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of what comes in after the acapella intro is a piano and flute and string section. Yeah. Oh, so, so nothing many, that would be out so of place at a Ren Fair, except maybe that massive of a string section. I wonder if this is the Sarm Orchestra or the the beginnings of it. It could. We of course be. talked about them last week on yeah. Ashes to Ashes. This is just earlier. Well, we know that the producer, Trevor Horn, does that kind of uh, production and uh, orchestration. Mm hmm. So weird. Yeah, it's really like, uh, it's a very mellow introduction. It's very just like you get a little bit of driving presence to keep things moving forward. But we're getting high register from Seal and uh, just kind of a smooth intro. Which is interesting because on verse two, he really kicks it up. He does, but it takes a while. We're taking it gentle. Verse two kind of has a fake out. Yeah. Because, um, right. Like he does, he keeps it very soft and like the first verse is mostly the piano chords and like there's some guitar arpeggios and of course Seal's singing. Um, Yeah. And then. Allegedly, the pre-chorus, which I guess it is, because it's more of like a almost a refrain section that gets repeated, mm-hmm. but it just sounds like the rest of the verse, mostly. Um, and then, like you know, your big orchestration pickup for the chorus, um, mm-hmm. and then that big orchestration pickup also happens halfway through the second verse, That's but right. then it just goes back into the verse, like it wasn't a chorus. They're just pretending. But even says baby. Yeah. Like in the beginning of the chorus, and you're like, oh, there's a chorus already, but no, there's more verse. There's more verse. Yeah, he gets really into the fake out. Gets um, into that fake out. But yeah, there's quite a lot of uh, quite a lot of chords going on, you know? It's his voice, and it's also the orchestra. Yeah, one, very rich backing. Yeah, one of the... I mean, I'll, I'll bring up this, this Rick Beato video again, because... Mm-hmm. Um, and I have mixed feelings about uh, Rick Beato, but Seal was actually, you know, he actually talked to Seal in the episode, so that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of asked him, you know, wh- where the idea for the chord progression came from, and what Seal said was, at the times he was younger and didn't realize that it was sort of things you weren't necessarily supposed to do. Mm. One of the examples is he goes directly from, I think, a, a to go from he either goes from a major seventh to a minor seventh or from like a dominant seventh to a minor seventh can't remember and that's a music no-no folks and that's just like it's just like not that common but it just kind of sounds cool because it's a little less common right so yeah basically that's that's what he said he's just like younger so he just kind of you know, you do whatever sounds good, which is probably what you, you do should do anyway. Good. But uh, yeah, but it might not be your first instinct if you're a little more. Yeah, if you've established like, like a style training. and you have yeah. ideas about how you like to make things, it's hard mm-hmm. to break out of that. It is. Um, that is interesting. So yeah, like I, people know this song. We know what it is. You get the big build in the pre-chorus to the chorus. Oh, baby, welcome back 
You know, it's big, it's huge. He sings out. Um, from there, we, we go back to verse two, which you talked about. We get the fake out mm-hmm. on baby. We also get the my power, my pleasure, my pain line, which is, I think, the, the precursor to that fake out, but also yes, part of the fake is. out, I guess. I guess that's all just the fake out. It's like part of that. It's part of the build. Yeah, it really feels like they could just, because everything hits on that rise. My power, the strings and everything team up on that. And then he goes, and drags us right back down. It's a good move. Yeah, and a lot of good vocal runs on this, too. Like Mm -hmm. that example, where he just kind of smoothly runs from one section into the next. Yeah, when people do vocal runs, they want to be Seal and Kiss from a Rose. Yeah. (laughs) That's that's who makes it sound good. It's like Seal or Mariah Carey, basically. Yeah. Maybe other examples, but but mostly those. Those are the uh, big ones. Uh, the other cool thing, I guess, the other section of this song is the bridge. Which, yeah, kills. Uh, yeah, which, of course, big on the harmonies. Lots of the vocal layers. Um, and then they bring in... You know, they, they got the strings still going. Lots of strings. Mm-hmm. So it's like some build. And then bring in, like, that harpsichord, which definitely adds to that, like, Ren Fair feel. Yeah. That I was not not expecting from this song. Like I didn't know the song well enough, and I was like, "What is this shit? Like, what's going on here?" Yeah, this song is like even like weird for its time, and it pulls on some things that I think are present in that. Like, flute wasn't unheard of. Yeah, I mean, it's still uh, orchestration, but like song. Yeah, you get some of those. I mean, the orchestra has so many parts. So if you start to focus on one, it's like you did that on purpose, right? Like. Mm-hmm. It's a decision you made, but it's definitely an interesting one. Yeah, and it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. I think where this song stands out as a like a demo is the fact that there is only two verses, though. Like it's pretty clear that Seal didn't want to make any more, and then just was like, "All right, we'll do the right. second verse again." Right, they just do the second verse again, and then like the chorus, but they do it twice, so it's longer. Yeah. And we've talked about a few songs that have done that similar thing where it's like, well, we didn't, it was a demo. And then we just chucked on like the, another, like the verse again or a verse and chorus again, or just yeah. a bunch of choruses. Just there wasn't time or energy or desire to write anything else. Yeah, exactly. So they just knock it out as is. And uh, yeah, the music just carries it, right? Because you're sold at this point. If you're not sold on Kiss from a Rose by the point the second verse comes again. Like you've you've changed the station. Yeah, and like I never realized it was just repeated. Me neither. So it works. Works, man. Yeah. And like as a kid who didn't understand music, like I was when songs like this came on, I was just waiting for the chorus. And on on this one it's very apparent that that is like the dopamine hit. Yeah. Because that's what I was big. waiting for as a kid. Did um, not give a shit about verses as a child, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Uh, I liked intros, I think, a lot. Intros, yeah. Intros yeah. for sure. Well, like, choruses. Come on, buddy. Um, yeah, that's the big part. That's the big hit. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what David Bowie is known for, too. Big choruses. Not that oh, yeah. most people don't have big choruses, but... That man knew how to make a big chorus. For... Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and we break down to, of course, just him singing at the end. He sings the roses in bloom. Yeah. 
and then a little bit of strings, and then it just kind of uh, that's the end. Yeah, a real sense of cinematic presence, a real Ren Fair presence, a real pop presence. Kiss from a Rose by Seal. Yeah, it's got a lot going on. It's got a lot going on. Sure does. You know what else it has going on? Two music, Two videos, music videos. Two music videos. Um, One luckily we've already talked about. Yeah, to to blow up a film that was like an Italian director's first full English language film. Um, I want to watch it having read the plot summary because it sounds interesting. It does sound I've also just read the plot summary and and already know everything to expect. Uh, but yes, yeah, so this is set in a photo studio, uh, co-directed by Matthew Rolston and William Levin. Matthew Rolston does quite a few um, music videos and things like that. I think he trained under why is Andy Warhol for some time. Oh, okay. um, and he did this video, which heavily references Blow Up. Uh, it primarily takes place in a blue uh, photo studio, Seal playing the role of the photographer, so, shooting uh, a woman in a black dress. Yes, yeah, I have a question about, because the ver- version I watched on YouTube has like a brief <laughs> segment from a Seal interview at the start. Oh, that's not the version I watched. Okay, well then they must have added it. I wasn't sure if that was part of the legit video or not. What does uh, he say in the He interview? just says something like, I'm only as good as what music is there. I like okay. the music on it. So, yeah. And then it fades into the, like, it's, it's the, it's kind of superimposed, or the video's superimposed over it. Like, you can see it's, like, clear oh, over top. Okay. And then it fades into the video. But I think I missed part of it, because the very beginning of that video shows, like, some other girls, maybe? Oh, okay, the beginning I've got is like very sensual. It's a uh, shirtless seal, and then uh, it cuts to him, and it cuts to the uh, model who will be like the primary subject here. And she's laying around. She does some dancing. She grabs these feather boas. Yeah, Super see that horny. part is like distorted for me because it's actually on top of an interview. Okay, so, so you must have got found a better version. No sweat. These things happen. But it's um, only that part. Yeah, yeah it's, I, like we're relying on VHS recordings from because <laughs> this music video doesn't get airplay after like '95, right? Because then we get the Batman Returns version, right? Yes, okay, I see so them. The, so the fact that we're able to find any rip is, you know, important. And then we get him on these uh, streets. So a lot of him is him in a suit singing on the street that's supposed to be just outside the studio. Yeah, it kind of goes back and forth between that. Like it's mostly the photo shoot, and he's the photographer, mm-hmm. and he's. Seems to be pining after the model, like he's kind of staring at her somewhat mm-hmm. creepily, and then it'll cut to him on the street singing the song. Yeah. Um, well, he's staring at her with a camera. He is. But, like, his, his facial expression is kind of like, and right. maybe that's normal if you're a photographer, I don't know. Maybe. It, to me, it seemed like they were, you know, it seemed like there was intimacy between them and the camera was the, was just the conduit. Yeah, I suppose so. Maybe that's there. Whoop. And then, of course, I don't know how much of this is, besides obviously the fact that it's a fashion photographer in the film Blow Up, and also these two other models come to distract him, and I know in the film Blow Up he has sex with two aspiring models. Like, Yeah. (laughs) It's such a weird, like, choice of inspiration. (laughs) <laughs> and comparing it to the the very sterile Batman Returns music or Batman Forever music video, it's uh, it's quite different because this one is very sexually charged. Yeah, what I got out of it was 
He's photog- photographing, photographing, uh, anyway, mm-hmm. uh, the model, this photo shoot, they have some sort of vaguely romantic interaction, and then she ends up rejecting him. Yeah, she and, leaves on the street. Yeah. And then there's two uh, other models there yeah. that he seems to interact with, but that's after you see him on the street with them, so it seems like the street is just fu- the future. Yeah, I guess. Because so he drives something. away from those two models. Yeah, so he has... What what I got from it was like he he's she's left him. He said he's filling the void with these two other models. They're either mad or still want uh, the relationship or something. That was unclear to me. But he's trying to yeah, get away from them. Yeah, they didn't seem too angry because they were kind of like smiling after he. True, left. they don't seem angry. So they're like, "Hey, let's do whatever." And then he's like, "No, I actually love this other model, not you two models." Yeah. And I, yeah, that seems to be after she left. And then it shows them back in the the studio, and it show, has the shot from Blow Up, where he's kneeling over her. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the Blow Up um, poster. Poster, okay, yeah. Probably in the movie as well. And, like, taking uh, photos yeah, of imagine. her. He's basically straddling her as she, like, rides on the floor. And he, yeah. And he it's... photographs her. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I got that's, out of it. Uh, that's I think I think you've got the the right amount of maybe yeah because they're chasing after him when he leaves there. I'm watching that part now, and then they smile, so they must be like, ah, oh, geez, we'll get him next time. Like surely yeah. Seal will bone down on us. Yeah, he's a photographer. Where the models not can mm-hmm. keep us apart. Yeah. And then he's in that same studio with them, and then she leaves. I wonder if it's because he took on these two models, if we're supposed to see that as a betrayal. Given how intimate that photo shoot was, I have to assume he straddles all of his models. Could be. She was like, hey, I thought you only straddled me as a model. In a professional context. Yeah. So maybe it's a it's a story of a man acquiring too much power, much like Seal did after the release of his first album, too much Seal. Power, too much pleasure, too much pain. Yeah, too much, too young, too fast, as Molly Crew would say. <laughs> they might. We should ask them. <laughs> we should. Yeah, I was gonna get them on, but they were busy oh. uh, with their farewell tour again. <laughs> Still, Molly Crew. We swear to God, it's the last time. But yeah, that's this is uh, Kiss from a Rose, the original music video. Yeah. What we get next is the Joel Schumacher-directed one, obviously the tie-in for the Batman soundtrack, um, and really just most well-known for the half that is Seal performing in front of the Bat-Signal. Yeah, it's, it just swaps between that. So, I mean, it starts with the Batmobile, because it's shot from the movie, but then it switches to mm-hmm. Seal singing next to the Bat-Signal with his unbuttoned yeah. shirt. Probably seems like a silk, very silky shirt. Yeah. It's open anyway. It's and open then, shirt. We got the wind machine blowing. Yes, we do. And then it just switches between that and various shots from the movie. So, you know, yeah. there's one bit with a, a bat flying at the camera. I don't know if that's in the movie. Yeah, I don't know either. Because uh, I haven't seen the movie, but it might be. It's been years Over since I've a, seen a it. monologue of some kind. Uh, lots of shots. Just Val Kilmer, Nicole Kidman, and Jim Carrey, and Tommy yeah. Lee Jones, who are all in the movie. Yeah, all-star cast here. My um, favorite shot, yeah. if you go to 256, as I find it to be particularly funny. 
256. There's one that I have as well. It's a little earlier than that. 256. Is when his like head's back? Yeah, yeah. He, it's just we get the shot of, of Batman turning <laughs> the camera. And then Falcon like, oh? turns his head and is like, oh. Um, <laughs> the one I like is uh, 235 when he says, fall down. If I should fall. Okay. And Batman is falling. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's falling. <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite part. <laughs> just, yeah, he's like jumping down or falling or something. But yeah, really, it just jumps yeah. back and forth between those two things. There's not really a narrative here other than the story of the Batman movie, which it doesn't try to get across. There's also yeah, there's a lot of shots you know of kissing. Kiss. So I assume they took yeah. all the shots that involve kissing and put them in this, because why wouldn't you, right? Like, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, overall, even with those shots of kissing, it's mostly just Batman promo footage. Yeah. So, which is uh, cool. Batman's cool, but also, yeah, yeah, there's Batman's not a whole cool. lot to say about it. No. Even, despite the fact that I think him singing in front of the bat signal is also cool. Huh? It is. I, I mean, it looks signal. good. It looks good! You look good, though! Um, you know what else looks good? Our time right now. We're doing great for time, but we gotta, we gotta pick up and move along here. Anything else critical to say about these music videos? No, not really. Let's talk about covers. Yeah, let's talk about some covers. Cover me. Co- 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 cover me. I'm trying to add a little more uh, radio flair to this show. Radio um, flair. Let's talk about the Buffalo flare. Chips in 1997. Oh, yeah. They're an acapella group. They have been around for a while, actually. Um, I think about 27 years. So this is like an early version of the group. Um, the article I read seemed to uh, think they were very good, but also it's, a, it's an article from 2021. So it is not oh. presumably any of the same people as are in this recording from 1997. That makes sense. Now, Alex, I can tell you that they are UB's premier lower voices acapella group, and they were 2021 ICCA finalists. Yeah, quick question, though. What's UB? Um, underbutt. It's a university. I, I should have I... said under boob. It's got to be University of Burma. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, like university at Buffalo. Buffalo? Yeah, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Not, not, it's, it's weird. It's not the University of Buffalo. No, it's at it's Buffalo. It's at Buffalo. Never seen that. Huh. It's very, very close to the Canadian border. Because Buffalo huh. is like right on the border. That's interesting. Um, so I'll be real with you, Alex. This is not the most interesting a cappella cover. I'm gonna be real but with it is you. One of the- Jake. Yes. This is a shit a cappella cover. <laughs> uh. You're right. I think you're hundred percent right. Um, that said, the reason I put it on is mostly to have a representative of the larger trend, which is like 50% of the covers of Kiss from a Rose are acapella covers. Yeah, it makes sense, right? There's a lot of, mm-hmm. um, vocal focus in the original, and in particular, there's a lot of vocal harmony. Now, in the original, yes. it's all different tracks of Seal doing it, but in theory, this should be a great song for an acapella group because they can do oh, yeah. all the harmonies and all the interesting I'm gonna say harmonies again um 
but yeah, that you get that in the intro hook. The ba ya ya badadadas. And you get the bridge. That's two gifts to yeah. an acapella group for free from Seal. Yeah, it should be a wonderful gift. Unfortunately, this just, I mean, yeah, they just don't do a good job of it. I don't like their art. They don't do interesting um, harmonies, really. Uh, the harmonies they do are very basic. And in the original, there's a lot of like overlapping lines and different, different tracks kind of singing different things over each mm-hmm. other and they just like don't do that stuff they yeah, just do like and it's very something that basic harmonies we've seen university acapella groups do that for songs that don't even have complex like vocal harmony yeah this I, it's this is sh- it's just shocking yeah like how, how much the, they flubbed it this is such an easy hit for an acapella group to knock out and they just were like mm half-baked it's very low energy because what sells the original is like the vocals hit and the instrumentation hits like Mm -hmm. it has energy behind it so and you can provide that with acapella we've seen people do that and these guys decided to do a mellow cover with (laughs) yeah non-complex harmonies yeah it's also slower so it just kind of feels sluggish yeah it drags yeah and it's not even as long as the original like they i think they cut out the repeat of the verse. Yeah. Second verse. So, yeah, there's just, I don't know. And their soloist is just not like Seal sings so strongly. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate that the soloist here just isn't doing that great a job. Yeah. And yeah, it's important to note that Seal sings both like strongly in the soft parts, like the first verse. And of course, in the big, like bellowing, punching moments, you know, baby, he fucking hits it. Yeah. So it's 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 tough to meet up to that, but you've got to do that, or at least use the acapella advantage of numbers. Yes, definitely. You they they should be able to support it somehow with mm-hmm. with a, a group singing as opposed to um as opposed to the soloists, but unfortunately they don't. It also, I mean. It is uh, like university recording, a group from a university recording in the late 90s. So may, it might just be a bad recording um, because it kind of sounds like it's like one mic in a room and they're standing on a choir risers right, or something with like a mic suspended over them. I hope not, uh, but it does kind of have that sound to it. Like it's sure does. So, yeah, it's not it's not great. It's not even good. No, it's bad. But I needed a representative from the acapella trend, and like the first, the actual first acapella cover I pulled had instruments in it. So I wanted something that was pure acapella. This is what came up. Not very good. Yeah. Presumably so, they've or, improved because they were finalists in something. Yeah, they were finalists, so maybe they've they've got some fresh talent in there. Some things are really. Really changed in the old uh, university at Buffalo. Oh, that's why they called the Buffalo Chips. Ah, uh. uh, see, I was too distracted by their logo being a reference to, I think, the TV show Chips. Chips, yeah. <laughs> Which that is really California, right? Yeah, California I think Highway so. Patrol is what Chips is. Yeah, California. Yeah, it would make sense. So, anyway, they're not in California; they're in Buffalo. But Buffalo Chips is poop. So, oh, I just thought it was like 
like you know like, like buffalo flavored chips yeah yeah <laughs> the buffalo <laughs> like spicy chips i'm pretty sure it's like, no, like dried spicy. dried buffalo dried buffalo poop dried buffalo, buffalo poop chips. all you right can burn well, it that's i think more interesting like fuel the fire than the whole cover yeah i imagine good. you'd be able to do that oh yeah it would smell like dry buffalo poop <laughs> yeah and not, i mean not what spicy is burning poops spice spicy poops <laughs> Set them on fire. Um, but yeah, that's what that is. Um, if you want to know about them, their page is currently under construction, so be patient. That was hilarious <laughs> about us. This is under construction, is it? You can uh, write two paragraphs. Yeah. Uh, well, we've got more than two paragraphs to say about our next act, who is Louis Represa. Pres. In 2001. Yes, Portuguese singer-songwriter. Um, yeah. Usually, when we talk about songs, or not, this isn't in Portuguese, but song artists who uh, world musicians Portuguese. Uh, we mm-hmm. talk about people from Brazil, but this is like por- Portugal Portuguese. Yeah, born in Lisbon. Is Lisbon uh, Portugal? Cool. Yes, it is. Yeah, and so he's a founder of the band Travante, which is apparently like a big, like local band, Portugal band. I had to look on the the Portuguese Wikipedia. Yeah, I don't. I that's where I am. I don't know much about. Um, I don't know much about the band themselves, but it came up on yeah. his page, and it seems like they've got a few hits. So that's kind of his claim to fame. Then he's got his solo work, um, which this would be. Um, yeah, and he's like a, I think he's represented as like a, a rock slash pop artist. Yeah, like singer-songwriter and, is the description I yeah. see, which is pretty okay. pretty vague, but it's usually it's like vague. on the pop side. Yeah, that's a vocalist who writes lyrics. Like, that could be anything. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but here he brings in like a, like a sort of gospel soul backing vocals right off the bat. Yes. Um, my general feel of this song is, or this version, Mm -hmm. the backup vocals are very good and they totally overshadow him. A hundred percent. It's not the last time we're going to hear about that this episode, (laughs) but you're right. He's very, uh... Like very low key, it's almost talk singing. Um, very too chill for this. These massive, powerful women being my power, my pleasure, my pain. Yeah, they like really go, and honestly, they probably would have been. They're like if they'd done the whole song, it would be much better. But unfortunately, yes. he takes like the lead, and it's just mm-hmm. not. I don't know. His voice isn't that interesting. The the orchestration no. just gets replaced by like sustained guitar chords. In like not really yeah. an interesting way. Guitar I will say that, that the great. guitar eventually gets interesting. True, it sounds better it, later. It has on. a solo that sounds pretty nice, and then it seems like they tweak the uh, like the filters and sound on it. it comes out better in the end. Yeah, early on, right. it's not as strong. No. Um, it's, and it suffers from trying to do the same moves as the original because there's still a flute there, there's still strings there, there's still piano there, but it all just sounds a little cheaper, right? It just sounds like a President's Choice version of Kiss from a Rose with yeah, some killer and, backing vocals. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, his his performance is unfortunately questionable. 
mm-hmm. or at least it doesn't rise up to the like standard set by the rest of the of the um voices so yeah if, we, if we'd have maybe mm. coupled those backing vocals with a little more brass or something really lean into their element because you can still pull on that energy of the original but give it a new coat of paint and a, a new flavor of vocals you get a good solid cover here yeah but and and i agree i think with what you said because uh, i think this is what you said about the guitar later on mm-hmm. um, it plays the like da 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 play that on the guitar that sounds really good on a guitar Mm-hmm. Um, but it it doesn't really do much with that, and I, I really think there's like a strong like rock guitar version possible. Um, yeah, I agree. But this doesn't really hit that, and and particularly mm-hmm. the the lead vocals fall flat. Yeah, and it's um it's kind of a problem. And I was thinking about it because of course Meatloaf passed away just yesterday as we're recording this. Mm-hmm. And immediately my brain's like, oh, do we have to do another Meatloaf tribute episode? And the problem we found with uh, I'd Do Anything for Love is so many of the songs, so many of the covers just end up being like karaoke versions of the original. And we're kind of getting some of that in here as well. Both Buffalo Chips and Louis Repreza, they have some new elements, but it's it feels like both of these groups just want to be Seal for a minute. And so you do as close a cover as you possibly can, right? Right, to show off your your pipes, but mm-hmm. they both kind of didn't. Yeah, they both did not. And just kind of played a little too safe, because you're right in that we don't really get a version that what we talk about today that full-on leans into that rock and roll version. We get a heavy metal version, which we're about to talk about, but like, yeah, just rock with that hard guitar on it? Not quite. Yeah, it's gotta exist somewhere, or if it doesn't, it will. It will, yeah, because there's just the potential for it. Um, but yeah, this one doesn't hit that potential. Um, the guitar sounds good playing that 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 but that melody riff falls short of the mark. What else is there to say, Alex? How much else? Oh, he gets a chant right at the end. The ending is a cappella, but it's just uh, Lewis or Louis. Yeah, and it's like uh just drew more attention to it. Yeah, it's just it's it puts you to sleep, man. Yeah. Um, Alex, we've been talking a lot about Ashes to Ashes this week. Another reference to our last week's episode. We're talking about Northern Kings again. Yeah. Already. course we talked about steel last week too uh um, that's right this is very tightly knit everything's yeah. connecting northern um, king finish symphonic power yes. metal cover super group super group yeah um it's weird i thought it's a symphonic metal group right mm-hmm. weird that the band is considered to be those four guys we're like there's a whole symphony right right anyway just a thought i had um, yeah, it is, it, they really are portrayed as the four lads, particularly in their music video. Yeah. <laughs> Which we will talk about. Um, so this version, this is, this is an interesting one. I say that a lot, mm-hmm. but this one, I have uh, some evidence for it. Um, the intro of this sounds very like RuneScape. Um, yeah. They, they go definitely have the, you know, the Renfair feeling. It's on like a Celesta or something. 
Yes. I heard someone say Chelesta. I don't think that's right, though. Um, shit, dude. But maybe that's an option. Anyway, I'm going to keep saying Celesta, because I'm pretty sure that's correct. Um, but maybe it doesn't matter. Uh, um, although if it's Italian, I'm not sure. Celesta. Um, but yeah, it does, it has, it sounds like RuneScape. It has like a harp, and that's Celesta, and like pizzicato strings. Reminds me of RuneScape, that's all. Um... But it's just that. It, it starts with just the the symphony stuff, yeah. and then it breaks into the rock later on. Yeah, and then we get into those those heavy notes again. So where their power metal comes in is they just like to hit certain notes pretty heavy. <laughs> right. <laughs> As we talked about last week, yeah. yeah. Dun, dun, ba, bam, bam. And then and then come into their voices. So here's what's weird about this one. Mm-hmm is I mentioned back in the first version, and it's true of all the other versions, except for this one, uh, that it's in 3-4 time, typically. Mm-hmm. But what they've done is they have added a beat per measure and have changed it to 4-4 four, four time. Okay. And that's why that's what makes the... it feels yeah, go weird. Ahead. Mm-hmm. It feels like, like they're stretching something, and they do stretch some words out. Uh, yeah, to get it into four four time, and the reason that's so interesting to me is usually to have that kind of a feeling of having an extra beat, you need to use like an odd time signature, like five four or seven eighths or you know okay, fifteen sixteen yeah. something weird, something that isn't easily easy to pair into groups of two. Um, but this has like the most common time signature ever in music we listen to. And it still mm-hmm. feels a little off kilter, which I thought was interesting, just because we know the original so well. Yeah, that is very interesting. I notice it mostly on the "Did you know when it snows?" part, because you feel the the empty space there. The, Did you know? And then right. you get a, actually like a beat that when it snows. Such a strong like group of three section. Da da da. See, that is interesting that you can bring something to common time and make it sound uncommon. Yeah. Um, And I don't know if that... I mean, that's just because it's a little awkward because they had to stretch things out. Yeah. Well, they're also Finnish. So the... English isn't their first language, right? Sure. So there's more room for them to stretch and, and bend words that... I mean, I imagine these guys probably know some English, but it's less meaningful to them, right? Yeah, they might they might um, it pronounce something in a way that would sound very strange to us. Yeah, um, but and not think, not have another thought about it. They'd be fine. Yeah. So yeah, the timing on this is interesting. Um, their vocals are, we talked about them before, they, they do deliver like a power performance. All four of these dudes are vocalists and they trade off the lines and then come together on certain lines. Yeah, which I, I don't know how, how I feel about that. They trade off quite a bit. I guess it's fine. There's not yeah, much in it's... the way of like vocal harmonies, which maybe doesn't make sense in a metal context anyway. No, I guess they go for the, you know, power over harmony, where they'll yeah. have several, I'm singing baby at the same time to punch it. 
<laughs> right, so they'll join in together sometimes. And then the harmony comes from the strings or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they hit the energy on this. It feels quite intense. There's not as much low spots or like quietude as there is in the original. But they do find moments to really change the energy, punch it up. They do a good job on making that bridge a little little spookier, a little low. There's good there's good orchestration on this, especially compared to the last two we've talked about. Definitely stronger orchestration. They have that going for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and okay, there was one thing I wanted to mention. I thought it was a little strange, mm-hmm. and I can't remember. It sounds like another song. So the ends of their verses, in particular, mm-hmm. remind me of. It sounds like the Who. Da, 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 da. Like I don't. I can't remember what song it is though. Mm. If you go to like one oh four. Okay. I just I can't put my finger on what it is. Um sounds like well, a song by the Who, I think. <laughs> but I, I can't remember which one. Um if y'all know it, let us know. Yeah. But it's bugging me. Anyway, there's that. But uh yeah, I mean they got some some decent big orchestra stuff. Um, this doesn't do, like I mentioned before, I think there's a really good rock guitar version. This doesn't mm-hmm. do what I, this doesn't provide what I want. I was imagining. Out of that. Yeah. Um, no, I agree. Yeah. Cause, and like you said, it leans more into that Ren fair, a little more of that symphonic. It's more theater than it is, uh, rock and roll. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good way of putting it. And it never really like kicks out in the same way as even the original gets uh gets so much like power out of the out of the chorus. Mhm. And yeah, if you exactly listen why, to though. to this versus the original, like even the orchestration is not punching as hard as this is and yet it gets a stronger result. Yeah, and one of the things uh, I don't want to No, I won't bring that up yet. Cut that. Okay. I'm not. I refuse to cut it. Okay. <laughs> the people love the audio raw, Alex. They like every single fuck up. I love it well, all. Well, they're gonna get lots then. They're gonna get lots. They've been getting lots for years. Um. Yeah, they got a dark bridge section. Um. Yeah, I think the energy on this one is a is a you know it's a matter of it starts heavy in those verses. We get heavier and bigger in the chorus, but the the comparison is not as much, right? Yeah. You don't feel the, as much the range lift. Isn't as much. Mm-hmm. So, like, in terms of songs we talked about so far that, like, hit the mark of, of getting some essence of the original, these guys are definitely the closest so far. But, yeah, it, it doesn't hit the peaks that the original does. It's also a bit long, and we'll talk, we're going to talk about the music video, which is a minute shorter. Oh, yeah, the music And video. watching the music video, I didn't feel like anything was lost in the... No. Might have been distracted, though. Yeah, that could be. There's a lot of of shit going on in that music video. Let's talk about it right now. Okay, there's candles. That's the only important part. It's real. So we basically got two scenes. We got this weird cello-playing woman. Yeah, a nude woman wearing a white mask playing a cello. So she's holding the cello in front of herself. Pagan ritual rooms. A lot of candles. There's a dead bear rug. She has stiletto um, heels on. She's got stiletto heels on. 
and she's doing weird shit. And there's that. Um, you want to talk about ashes to ashes references? These uh, these pictures kind of remind me of that. What do you sorry? So so the ashes to ashes. No, I know. All I'm doing this week is like this. So she's got the paintings of these guys on the wall. Oh yes, like the paintings alive right. in them. So it reminds me of that picture in a picture bit we get in uh, in the ashes to ashes music video. That is true. That does happen in the ashes to ashes. Except in this yeah. one, it goes like to like vignette filter. And just shows the band, mm-hmm. like, fucking around. Shows them getting fitted for their tuxedos they wear on the album art. Uh, yeah. Shows them recording the song. That's Occasionally right. it syncs up. So, like, it'll be the line they're performing when recording. Which, honestly, I think should happen more often in th- these sorts of videos. Because often it's just a bunch of footage of them recording. And you think it yeah, syncs up, but that, it that hasn't been synced. Yeah. They're just singing whatever. But here you can yeah. quite clearly see it's the same line. See, I did like that it was synced up. Um, I think my biggest problem with this video is that there's no resolution as to what the nature of the you know the spooky woman is and the why she has in the these room, paintings yeah. of them. She yeah, just kind of gallivants around the room. Goblet. Mostly plays cello. One time she holds yeah. a sword. She also kind of yeah. straddles a bear rug. That's right. The bear rug, if you will. The bear rug. And that's kind of it. Um, that is kind of it. And oh, she. So, okay. All right. Here's another thing. So, yeah. when they say gray, it kind of sounds like they're saying grail. And she also has a grail, has a grail. or chalice yeah. in this video. Connection? No idea. Maybe. No idea. And that is what I. Um, yeah, that's what bugs me about this video is that there is no real storyline, though there are suggestions of one. Yeah, it seems like there would be, but then it's like, did they just, did, did they just want to get this woman in a room with with the mask and nothing else? Yeah, and then is she really playing the cello? I have no idea. Yeah, I have no idea. I have no way to know. But yeah, it's kind of your classic. It's basically if we took the the Metallica music video for um, nothing else matters made it black and white, and put in interstitials of a, a creepy cello woman. There you have it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's fine. It's a fine little promo f- footage. Um, just like the song itself, it's good. Is it, is it mind-blowing? Yeah. And it, that's what happens when also when I put on an, an artist we've talked about before. Sometimes we find that it's just like, Oh, this is just kind of their thing. Like they're all right. kind of similar covers. Yeah, that's, that's it. I still think these guys got a got a pretty good vibe, but yeah, they got a decent thing going on. Um, I was mm-hmm. I was wanting something different out of this song. I think. Yeah, I think so too. Um, but we're about to get something different in the form of the arrival in the year of our Lord, two thousand nine. Yeah, and allegedly also various artists, although it's not clear. Yeah, I wonder if that's just from it being on a compilation album more than it being probably. The, it the seems to just be the each band. Each one the on the album has, yeah. So I think it's just because it's been listed as a compilation, and maybe at the time it was listed, the the artist listing system on Spotify was different. You know how these things go. Yeah, yeah. 
The Arrival. The Arrival. Um, there's a few groups with either the name The Arrival or Arrival. Plus, there's a movie mm-hmm. called Arrival, which has a soundtrack. That's right. <laughs> so that made it a little bit difficult to figure out who they were. Um, the only thing their Spotify description says is that they were big on MySpace, kind of. Yeah, which, while being minimal, kind of tells us everything. It, like, it informs also why this track sounds the way it does. Yeah, they're like... a they're MySpace-era like, emo band, right? Yeah, they're like kind of emo pop rock. Yeah. Um, and... Honestly, this version is like the closest to the rock guitar version that I have envisioned. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, this had the potential to be a lot better than it comes out as, I think. Potentially. what throws me off, you do get like the guitar, you do get some rock guitar, but for some reason we bring in like, like electronic drum kit and electronic dance rhythms they and do. samples. Yeah, that's particularly on the on the breakdown where they mm-hmm. kind of bring in like more of like a pop beat, electronic beat sort of thing. Yeah, and right on the uh, the verse opening too, we get that hand clap, which is like a real like electronic dance staple. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, which immediately so it does have throws that stuff. me off. So it's not the like ideal it's not the like platonic ideal of like the rock and roll version but i think it has some strong stuff or at least they played to their own strengths unlike some of the other versions which like like the i mean i'm thinking of the buffalo chips and and uh louis in particular um in that it seemed like if they were stronger vocalists it would have gone a lot better in this Mm. there's so much compression on it it doesn't really matter they don't need to be That's super right. strong vocalists. And another thing, I'll bring up the Rick Beato video again. Uh, he mentioned that is that there's not a lot of compression on the original version. It's uh, right. the, the dynamic range is allowed to exist and be created by the artists and affected by mm. the artists, where this is like total opposite of that. There's a lot of pitch right. correction and there's a lot of compression. Yeah, um, and that's I think that's more a stylistic choice for yeah, these guys. It absolutely, like and it definitely yeah. plays to their strengths because it's not like because this compared to the other one, I can't look at this and be like, any it's all shit, and they're terrible at what they do. It's like no, because they've they've like mixed it in a way that mm-hmm. makes that w- that wouldn't be a problem if it were true. I don't know. If yeah, and they do they 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 bring in some good elements from their. I like that they hit those crash symbols a lot near the end of the chorus. I like the 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 pop rock elements that are in this. I think they needed to lean on it a little more heavy because we still do get a lot of stuff that is just like lifted to be from Kiss from a Rose. Like we get some string synth in there that is just to be like, hey, like Kiss from a Rose. Yeah. And we get the weird ass like dance elements. And I'm not against dance versions, but I don't think it mixes particularly well here. Yeah, it is a little awkward. I didn't really have too much of an issue with it, but I will admit it is a little awkward because it doesn't really tie in with the rest of it. Mm-hmm. And it would be stronger if it did, for sure. Yeah. But this is a lot closer to the the sound of what I would want a guitar version of this song to sound like. And you do get some of the more I uh some more of that. Like when the the guitars are kind of supporting da 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 da, da you know, mm-hmm. the guitar plays that, but it also plays it with the voice. So I think that sounds pretty cool. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's not it's not a hundred percent. It has some weaker sections. Yeah, I just I needed something, and maybe like, and yeah, that bridge, which is such an important part of the song, because it is like your only real change up in the later half. Yes, absolutely. Like we, we get that bubbling dance synth, and then like, it just it doesn't play well for me. But yeah, I think you're right. There's some good stuff in here. I like the guitar. Um, I like it when the, when the, the actual organic drum kit is going big. But yeah, it just uh, kind of falls short for me. Yeah, I have. I've found a lot of these are falling short, so. No, we've had such a good stretch, I felt, of, like, interesting covers the past few weeks. This is a little bit of a disappointing week. But we still have two more to talk about. That's right, and the next one to talk about is Gregorian. Gregorian. In the year 2012. So, yeah, um, I looked up, okay, so they, they call themselves, it's like a pop classical fusion. I think that's yes. their description. Uh, combining Gregorian chant with pop and rock music. Um, mm-hmm. I looked up Gregorian chant. Mm-hmm. So in theory, at least, Gregorian chant is monophonic and unaccompanied. Mm-hmm. So um, You can't really combine it. Yeah, so this is just basically not that. Uh, which, fine. You know, I don't care that much. I'm just pointing that out. Really what it is is, like, it's this vague, like, a medieval Renfair aesthetic. Which right. is basically anything that might seem at home between pretty much, like, 1200 and 1800. Yeah, that's So it's, like, right. it's a broad... It's, there's a lot. So what this really is... Is a choral version... Where they wear ye olde costumes. And I know that's not how you pronounce that, but I'm making it obvious. That's <laughs> how you pronounce it. So I pronounce it for fun. Um, but I would say it's definitely a stronger choral version than Buffalo Chips. A hundred percent. Much, much stronger. And I'm um, also going to say they don't yeah. do as much as they could. I get that the, it's Gregor, we'll call it Gregorian-inspired chanting. Yeah. Because they do do that monophonic thing. It is really like a wall of dude sound. And then we've got a female lead singer. Wall of dude sound. (laughs) (laughs) Similar to the uh, the Phil Spector wall of sound, but uh, a little different. But, you know, with dudes. With dudes. Just dudes. Yeah. That's the the Grateful Dead version of the wall of sound. Um, (laughs) So, yeah. So you're saying. Mm -hmm. So so we get that and we get this uh, sometimes present. Uh, lead female vocalist. Yeah, she's not even really a lead though. Like it's not like because yeah. they sing the words or most of the words. She mm-hmm. really just comes in occasionally and harmonizes with them, which I I did yeah. think was a cool a- another cool aesthetic. And and they really yes. do you know evoke that like old middle European folk sound pretty well, especially with the I I'm, the pizzicato strings really do it and the picked mandolin. Yeah. Um, and, of course, probably the way they do the harmonies sound vaguely old school. You know, it sounds like a mm-hmm. choir. Yeah. And it is basic accompaniment, because we're meant to focus on the dude wall and yeah. this little this little female voice. The dude wall. Which should, should be weaving through the wall. It should be really... I think she doesn't get enough room to play. She could do a little more with the harmonies, probably. Like, she's mostly mm-hmm. a higher harmony, but then 
kind of joins up with them at times where it yeah. seems it would be maybe more interesting if she didn't um potentially yeah because her voice stands out as such a counterpoint to the dudes like to get her to do a little more to be a little more prominent to be doing vocal runs like seal does like like we talked about the original has all of this incredible vocal layering that's already there you don't have to be a creative genius to just do the thing he did right (laughs) you just copy it yeah just copy that and i guarantee you this would sound so much cooler with her doing runs around this massive wall of just the basic melody Yeah, but it doesn't do a ton. It is, it is a, I guess it's an aesthetic, um, mm-hmm. which they do a pretty good job of, of uh, fulfilling. Um, mm-hmm. But I think within that, yeah, I don't think you have to leave that aesthetic to, to do some more interesting stuff. No, I think they set up a good limitation with the Gregorian inspired chant. I think you, but it's like, it is monophonic. It's very, <laughs> it's not interesting musically. After you establish the novelty of hearing all these dudes singing the same note, like it's done. You need something that shows you why that's still cool. This song needs a kiss from a rose on the gray Gorian. Yeah, maybe that is it. That maybe they're just trying to sing all the same notes. And that's a, I don't know. I listened to some more of their stuff and it didn't seem like they were that dedicated to sounding Gregorian. But sounding Gregorian? Sounding Gregorian yeah. chant. Um, I mean, yeah. What's weird? What's also weird about this one is right at the end they do like an outro, you know, and she sings the outro, so that's kind yeah. of her like more solo part uh, where she slows down, and then it basically ends, and that's like three forty, three fifty or so, and then there's a whole mm-hmm. other le- or four rather, four fifty, yeah. uh, and, and then, then there's a whole other like minute of just like an organ doing this like ambient medieval. Thing. Yeah, it sounds like you're in a Final Fantasy dungeon, and then it- yeah. <laughs> so, um, it leads into the next song on the album, but yeah, isn't really unicorn, the next yeah. song. So I think it's mostly just a transition. So really, this song is a minute shorter than it claims to be. Yeah, than it claims to be. Yeah. Um, and we're a couple minutes longer than we'd like to be. Yes. So we if are. you've nothing else to say, Alex, let's get into this let's last go. song. Gonna last one, which is Shelly Sony in 2016. Yes. No, she's also Norwegian, but has South American heritage. Okay. Um, um, she's kind of involved with the vintage cafe stuff. We've done some vintage reggae cafe covers yeah. and things like that. Bossa Nova reggae style songs. Yeah, things like that. She believes music is coursing through her and that it comes from her father. Um, so she believes music is genetically inherited, musical skill. Um, she does reggae and Bossa Nova and things and hangs out with General Sound Boy, who we've talked about Boy. on a previous episode. It's true. Um, so this is really that. It is like the vintage cafe style of cover. Yeah. A lot more uh like kind of like the chill beats going on. Yeah. Very you synth, know, drum machine stuff. I would say heavy, but yeah, like it's like a very electronic instrument focused. Electronic drum kit, the sort of yeah, sweeps, spacey synth sweeps, synth sweeps. And some and, relaxed uh, bass. Yeah, there's a few moments where like you actually hear the bass more. 
mm-hmm. and those are cool, but it doesn't happen very much. Yeah. I like don't mind a lot of the tones going on in this. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a, a decent, more modern version. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's also like generally a little bit more modern feeling, I guess structurally, I should say. Like, um, mm-hmm. it goes in the bridge. Like, there's a the verse after the bridge is a breakdown in the first half. Like, yeah, that happens. You hear that yeah. all the time. So, few elements like that. Mm-hmm. It's very, uh, it's a very consistent one too. Whereas the Northern Kings suffers from perhaps being too up, this one's the flip side where it establishes chillness and then never really gets out of that. <laughs> Stays there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what this is. Uh, and similar to oh, similar to which one? I don't remember now. Uh. <laughs> Louis replace us doesn't do a well not like that one uh no, there's okay. not much like vocal harmony the harmony is on the synthesizer it's also uh northern kings yeah the northern kings yeah yeah also buffalo chips i guess i guess so <laughs> you know a lot of them don't do the harmonies very well similar to every other version not a lot of harmony presence yeah i guess it's difficult or something um mm-hmm. and then but yeah it's it's really kind of playing along with that beat of the song yeah it's i mean ultimately it's listenable when new little things like two piano notes come in for a bit you go oh i like oh, this how about that? and, and if this played in the background of any cafe i was in i would be fine with it so you know what i think in a lot of ways this version doesn't shoot for the sky and it hits that mark yeah it doesn't seem to be trying to do more than it can yeah and there's something to respect in that, I think. Some of them are definitely trying to do more than they can. Which is kind of respectable as well, in a way. Trying, but and failing. Yeah. But, you know, they still failed, so. But they still failed. Um, and I don't even know if this one is all that good. Like, to, to you know, point to the ground and be like, I'm going to make that shot. <laughs> and then doing it is like, well, that wasn't a big shot. You're like, yeah, but it did it. Yeah, right. You're accurate, but did you... Did you strive for your best? Who knows? We're striving to wrap this up soon here. And that's why we're going to talk about our final verdicts. Three categories today. The worst version, the best version, the version you would compare to a kiss from a rose on the gray. Whatever the fuck that means. Alex, what's the worst version of this? Worst version? Um, I think it's the buffalo chips. There were several versions I didn't like, but they were the least redeemable one. It was just kind of Mm -hmm. like awful all the way through for me. Um, yeah. Possibly mostly due to recording quality and techniques, but um, that doesn't excuse anything. Well, yeah, they're Gregorian without the novelty of pretending to be Gregorian. Yeah. And without the aid of instruments. Yeah, and for a vocal group, like, just didn't sound that good vocally, so... No, I've heard, I've heard better, and we've, we've listened to people, acapella groups from that era and earlier. You can record something better than that, fellas, at the University at Buffalo. Um, yeah, worst version for sure, Alex. I agree. Best version. Best version. Uh, my best version uh, was The Arrival, because it came closest to what I thought I wanted out of this song. Hmm. Um, it's got some good guitars, man. And some good energy. Um, I'm struggling to like think of a real good reason, though. I, <laughs> I thought that enough. it was mostly weak overall <laughs> this week. 
Um, but yeah. I, I, I liked the arrival the best. Sure. Um, and like we're, I was saying before, you know, they don't, they, they're not trying to make it like this huge vocal showpiece, but they're also not like cutting vocals out or ignoring them. So like it works within their style. Hmm. Yeah, they do do a lot of rooting it in their in their element, or I think a lot of the other groups try to take Seal on on his own ground in a few ways. Yeah, that's difficult. That's a difficult move. Um, that said, I'm gonna give it to Northern Kings because it feels like the most finished product. Even if I don't think it's the best product, it's you know it's a house with four walls and a door on it. And <laughs> right, it you could like live there. They like they had build. an idea. You could live there. Yeah, they set it up. They said, this is what it is. And you go, oh, yeah, it is that. I'm like, do you want to live here? I'm like, nah, not really, but it's better than the other houses I've seen. So, but like, yeah, I'd, I'd recommend it to someone if they need a place. Yeah, especially if they haven't heard of Northern Kings. And I'm like, hey, you might want to listen to these guys. They do a lot of covers and they do a pretty good job. So for being pretty good, I got to give it to the Northern Kings. Alex, which one would you compare to a kiss from a rose would I compare on the grid? Uh, from a rose. Um, probably Gregorian, weirdly enough, if only because yeah. like their style is kind of vague enough or like the, the overall Renfair style is vague enough that like pretty much do whatever you want with it, you know? Uh, and their album cover is like very gray. So there's some gray involved and I guess you need okay, a rose yeah. in there at some point. Um, that was uh, incoherent rambling, wasn't it? Much like the Gregorian song itself. I think it's. I think you're on the money here, Alex. Um, I'm going to give it to Shelly Sony, because the more of it I hear, the stranger I feel. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's our final verdict. If you've got a different opinion, similar opinion, want to talk to us about a version we didn't talk about, of which there are so, so, so many for this. Hit us up on Twitter, hashtag CoverMePod, at Jake the Cressy, at some Alex Wise Guy. Send us your comments, questions, concerns. You can also email those to us at CoverMePod at gmail.com. Talk to us there. Send us suggestions for future episodes. If we get enough requests for um, Every Rose Has Its Thorn, yeah, maybe we'll do it. We could have done all sad love songs, but it's too late now. That's the end of the episode, folks. Thank you all for joining us, and as we always say on Cover Me, baby, I compare you to an episode of Cover Me.